All right, Tyler, I have a question for you that I, I have no idea what you're going to say to this, but um, what weird things do you use spreadsheets for? Like a spreadsheet can do almost anything you want it to do. So mm-hmm. I've seen spreadsheets used for all kinds of stuff, and I'm curious, mm-hmm. what's what, what are the weird things that you use spreadsheets for? Okay, I love this question. I have to tell you, I'm actually a recovering spreadsheet for everything person. Okay. So it used to I become can crazy. But uh, a few years ago, a friend of mine changed my life by telling me what he does. So he uh, just has one spreadsheet now, and it's called, like the file name is, When You Need a Spreadsheet. Okay. And so, because I used to have, like, I'd go, I'd oh, I got a problem to solve. Time to make a spreadsheet. Go make a spreadsheet, throw it in my Google Drive. I just have, like, dozens of them floating around. I wouldn't know what any of them were for, you know. Right. Uh, so now I only have I have one. But uh, I've, I've moved over to Notion, and the and so it's like, it's like databases now. So spreadsheets mm-hmm. are kind of in my past. But since you asked about spreadsheets specifically, I'm afraid my answer isn't too weird. Well, I think the one that, oh, well, okay, there's two I'll mention. There's one that uh this isn't fancy i don't even know why i do it but every pay stub i enter into a spreadsheet for my job with all the deductions and everything and it goes back like (laughs) as actually i'll look at it it goes back many many years like since i had my first job ever so i have for some reason i track all my pay stubs and okay spreadsheet and then the other thing that i use a spreadsheet for currently um is modeling my retirement contributions like you know how what percentage of my gross income do i want to save am i saving all the different like elements of that and like i play with you know what would it look like if i did this or this and and so yeah nothing nothing too crazy these days with spreadsheets like i said i'm i'm recovering what about you okay uh what i i wish that i had a spreadsheet of my paychecks all the way back because that would be fascinating to see but I haven't done that with all the all the deductions and everything. Yeah. Uh, let's see. the The first one that comes to mind is I have one tracking my utility bills. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, most of them, like the gas bill and the water bill, it's just the total on the bill. I don't have like how many gallons of water we used or whatever. Uh, which you know maybe that would be useful to know, but or interesting to know, probably not useful, but, uh, but on the electricity side, cause we have solar panels on the house and I used to get telemetry from the, the, what's it called? Not the transformer, the, the thing that converts it from <laughs> direct current to alternating current or the other way around. Yeah. Uh, you got me. I, I, I'm a linguist and a <laughs> musician. I don't know anything about that. Well, I used to get telemetry from the system on the side of the house right before it goes into the electric meter off to the grid uh, that would tell me how much it produced every every day. And then, uh, or, well, yes. And then total, I would total it up at the end of the month, take the electric bill, see how much we had consumed from the grid, how much we had sold back to the grid, and then add in how much we had produced. And then I had this, this cool little graph with four lines going on it of like how much electricity we used. Uh, that's, but that's... Uh, the, the telemetry piece broke when the, uh, the cellular networks turned off their 3G 
And, really? Uh, yeah, because it was it was using a three G radio, <laughs> and I never I never paid the four hundred dollars to buy a new module to swap it out. Fascinating. <laughs> Well, it's funny. You say you wish you had your, your you wish you had your pay stubs going all the way back. I'd be curious to know my utilities going all the way back. So interesting. I have. Oh, there's another interesting one that uh, I don't really keep up anymore. But it's the cell phone plan usage, specifically about the data. And the interesting trend I've noticed on that one is that my data usage has gone up over the years. Over the uh, it was like ten years that I've had that one. Uh, but the price has largely stayed the same, which has been very interesting. Oh, and interesting. most of the plans I've had over those years have not been like unlimited plans. They've been capped at a certain amount, but the the uh, the caps keep going up and the price stays roughly the same, uh, all else being equal. Interesting. And you wouldn't know that if you hadn't tracked it in a spreadsheet. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know, it's fun being a nerd. <laughs> hello there dear listener i am steve and i'm tyler and this is it's not about the money where we discuss a wide range of topics related to creating and running small businesses tyler and i are small business owners ourselves and we are just trying to make sense of this crazy world one podcast at a time and today we are going to talk about Something called optionality. Does that word mean anything to you when I first say it, Tyler? I was actually hoping you would explain it to me in okay. the context of <laughs> that you're hoping to talk about it in. But I mean, it's got the word option in there. Option. So what it yeah. means to me at the outset of this conversation is giving yourself options. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the, that's the gist of it. So the way I see optionality is... Uh, and this was kind of inspired by a book we read recently called The Psychology of Money, mm. uh, where it, it talks about cash and having cash on hand like might seem like a poor investment choice because you could be mm -hmm. making a lot of returns on it if you had invested it in XYZ. Uh, on the other hand, if you've got the cash available and something comes along that you want to take advantage of, uh, now it was worth having it sit there in a savings account earning nothing because you can take advantage of this opportunity, whether that's an investment or a purchase that you want to make or you want to take the family on vacation or whatever it might be. Uh, but having that um, option there available, the, the freedom to be able to do something with that money. Hmm. Yeah, I remember reading about that in the book, and it kind of was challenging for me because I'm very much a fan of the you need to budget method, as you know. And the you know rule number one in that method is to give every dollar job, even the money that you're saving, right? So you should be saving for specific things. But in the psychology of money, he argues that saving money just because is a good thing. And I can't disagree with that. Even mm -hmm. if it like uh, makes me a little uncomfortable from a budgeting perspective, <laughs> right? Because I like things to be earmarked. But yeah, that's that's what I, I remember distinctly having that. Like that was a challenge to the way that I think about things. Uh, but mm -hmm. I liked it. And I think the reason, uh, you know, I'm just realizing right now, maybe why I liked it, even though it challenged me, is because subconsciously I realized that if I did that, 
I would just have money. <laughs> like, and that gives me optionality, right? It's like flexibility. That's so that's interesting. Yeah. Right. And I do still love the YNAB rule of embrace your true expenses. But uh, a point they also made in that book was you, uh, you may not know what the expenses yeah. are going to be. You can plan so far as you can plan, but the things that you don't know are the things that you by definition do not know are going to happen. And so yeah. even just having savings that was not set aside for anything so that when an emergency comes up that you didn't think about, didn't plan for, well, it's okay. You've got the cash. Right. I mean, I had a situation like that uh, uh, in my past where I had the opportunity if I wanted to, to buy into a company I was working for. And at the time, man, I wish real bad that I would have had a lot more cash just lying around because I, you know, I thought it was a good opportunity. I wanted to put in as much as I could, but I was limited by the amount of cash that I had on hand. And so I don't know if that's a good example to me of like, it would have been nice to just spend saving money just for, just because, and, you know, you can get around, you can, you can work around the YNAB issue, just create a budget category called optionality. Uh, there you go. For, for my next unplanned investment opportunity or something like that, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, when I was younger, I had a colleague at work who had bought a house in, I don't know, 2009, probably. Uh -huh. And oh, wow. I, I remember thinking, this was a few years after that. And I remember thinking, how did he, how can he afford to buy this house? Uh, you know, how did uh -huh. he get into it? And now I realize he was in a situation where he had the cash available. House prices are really low because we just had the crisis in 2008. Uh, he's in a perfect position to buy something for really cheap that then five years later was worth a whole lot more than he paid for it. Uh, and if he hadn't had the cash just available or if he had, had uh, already taken on a mortgage and was suddenly underwater on it because of the crash, then he would not have been able to take that opportunity. Yeah. Man, I love this. And it flies in the face of so many of the quote unquote financial gurus on the internet, on the TikTok, you know? Did I just say on the TikTok? <laughs> I'm officially an old person now. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, or it's like, you know, never say, you know, you should be investing every penny uh, in whatever, the stock market, Bitcoin, I don't care, you know, it's just because any money that's just sitting there earning very little interest, although interest rates are going up right now. Uh, it's just, it's just a waste, wasted opportunity. Right. But the thing about saving money is it's, it, it's like a, uh, what's the opposite of a double edged sword. I, it's a double, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a double version of a trifecta. <laughs> Never mind. We're going to basically it, 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 not only it has two really huge benefits and it has to do with risk and luck. Right. So like if you have money sitting around, you're able to take advantage of lucky opportunities. And on the other hand, if you have money sitting around, you're protected against unplanned emergencies. Oh. I mean, it's yeah, I like that way of looking at it. It's doubly beneficial. Doubly beneficial. There we go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so let me read a quote from uh, Psychology of Money that's right along this these lines. Uh, Savings in the bank that earn 0% interest might actually generate an extraordinary return if they give you the flexibility to take a job with a lower salary but more purpose or wait for investment opportunities that come when those without flexibility turn desperate. I love that. So that's just kind of a, another way of 
explaining it of like, yes, I, I understand that the money is sitting in a checking account or a savings account and it's earning absolutely nothing, but the possibility, like the, uh, the risk insurance that that gives me and also the optionality of being able to take an opportunity in the future, if it presents itself yeah, is, is worth that cost for me. Well, uh, let's do a tie in with the title of our podcast. It's not about the money, you know, having the money, you know, uh, I think this is a comment that you made earlier, which is having money in the bank can have enormous returns. I don't think, you know, that's not referencing financial returns necessarily, but it's returns right. in term in terms of peace of mind or whatever else, right? Optionality, like we're talking about. Like everything has a price. Having money in the bank, there's an opportunity cost. The price you're paying is mm-hmm. maybe not, not getting your 12% a year return or whatever, you know, in the stock market. But what you might be getting as a return is a 50x return when when you get a random opportunity to buy a rental property or, I mean, I don't know. I'm making stuff up now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think you had another quote that I really liked and I don't remember where it was, but it was oh, also along yeah, yeah. those lines. It's from the same book. I mean, this might as well be the Psychology of Money book club part two. <laughs> part two. <yeah>. <laughs> but... <laughs> Um, it's that the sing, the biggest single point of failure with money is kind of a long sentence. So I'm going to read it slow, slowly. The biggest single point of failure with money is a sole reliance on a paycheck to fund short-term spending needs. So it's not that solely relying on a paycheck is bad in and of itself, but if you're relying on that paycheck for your shortest term spending needs, groceries, utilities, rent, all these things. And you don't have a savings gap between what you think your expenses are and what they might be in the future, then that is a point of failure, right? Because all it takes is missing one paycheck and boom, financial trouble right away, right? Okay, yeah. And so, uh, yes, there's multiple ways you can address this. Yes, you could get multiple streams of income, but that's not necessary. It could definitely help and it's definitely a way to diversify but also you could solve this problem by just having a buffer, right? Creating a savings gap. Mm-hmm. And so that you're not reliant on that paycheck, that next paycheck for all of your short need, short-term spending needs. I like that. So that could be an emergency fund that's six months long. So you've got a six mm-hmm. month runway of you lose your job. You've got plenty of time to get a new one. Or it could be you're just like, one extra month ahead and so you'll be okay next month and in the meantime you can cut things back Mm -hmm. change your living arrangements whatever it is while you're finding another source of income yeah i mean the 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 size of your savings gap is going to be up to you and your personal Mm -hmm. circumstances i mean a lot of families i know have like a dual income so they might need a smaller savings gap for those short-term spending needs right but yeah. So I want to tell you a story about um, me saving for nothing in particular. My wife and I have our family budget, and then we also have fun money that I, each of us gets to do whatever we want with. And I, being a nerd, have a YNAB budget for that money 
And there's a, a there's this is why we're friends. Steve. <laughs> I just want to point that out <laughs> because we talk about this stuff all the time together. Yeah. Yes. There, there's a line in that budget for savings. Well, okay. There's two lines. There's a savings line <laughs> and there's an emergency fund line, uh, which s- sounds superfluous because this is just spending money. This is fun money to do whatever I want short term. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, but anyway, you, you, you've, you've exploded a single line in your family budget into its own complete budget <laughs> with its own emergency fund. Yes, exactly. That's amazing. Uh, right. <laughs> totally unnecessary. But because I did that and I had several hundred dollars sitting in there when last year I decided I would like to buy an iPad because I want to be able to pull up sheet music on it for this choir that I'm in. Uh, I had the money. And so I could buy the iPad and uh, do the thing that I wanted just right then. Uh, where uh, you know, without that, I would have had to say, okay, I would like to buy an iPad. It will take me XYZ time to save up that money. And then eventually I can get it. And that, you know, there's nothing wrong with that either. It's just not quite as fun yeah. as uh, like, oh, here's this opportunity. I joined this choir. I would like to be able to read the music on here and also do a bunch of other things that I've always wanted an iPad for. I can do it because I have the money here. Yep. That is an amazing story, but I have to tell you, I got really distracted when you said that you wanted to use your iPad to read sheet music because I'm a musician and I see people doing that and it gives me the hugest anxiety. Like what? And it shouldn't. (laughs) I know it's like 2023 people can handle this stuff, but like what if the screen goes to sleep in the middle of your song? What if the battery It kills me? I can't do it. I'm a paper uh, well, guy with yes. my music the whole time. But good this for you. This is the problem. <laughs> okay. So I, I use it. Uh, we'll, we'll go down this rabbit trail for a minute. Okay. I use it primarily in the, in the choir during rehearsals. So I don't uh-huh. have to do anything else with my hands. I'm just holding the iPad. I can turn the pages. If the screen turns off, that's fine. But I also use it for playing piano accompaniments yeah. sometimes. And that uh, I do run into those problems all the time where I swiped the wrong way and now I'm on the wrong page or oh the, the screen is starting to dim <laughs> and, and I still, my heart rate so I, I gotta, is going. Yeah. It's, so that's a mess. <laughs> and I don't uh, necessarily recommend that uh, as a pianist, but as a, as a choral singer, it works great. And I do see people do it. I, there's a professional accompanist in the area here where I live and she's all iPad now. And I just, you know, there I'm, I mean, I feel like, uh, oh man, I'm getting older because I'm like, I'm sure there's a setting about when the screen goes to sleep that I could miss. I just haven't figured, you know. Anyway, uh, yeah. Sorry true. for the distraction, uh, but that was well, yeah. No, th- one more thing. <laughs> okay, <laughs> before we leave this topic, there's a the the app that I use has a feature where it can watch your facial expressions through the oh. camera, and if you uh, if you pull your your mouth over to one side, you can have it turn the page that direction or the other direction. Uh, well, which sounds nice, except, uh, then if you're, if you're laughing or talking (laughs) or anything in the middle, all of a sudden your pages are flipping and you don't know where you ended up. Uh, so I don't use that feature anymore. Uh, wait, this is an app just for sheet music reading. Like, so there's an app for, okay, well that makes me feel a little better, I guess. That's interesting. I mean, you know, paper has its problems too. I played at a wedding once and the wind blew and my music was all flying across the field and that was terrible. So <laughs> iPad wouldn't have had that problem. Anyway, okay. Well, thanks for sharing. Okay, so op- so that's great. You were able to just buy an iPad on a whim because you had, you know, savings within savings within savings there. That's just for no reason. Right, yeah. Optionality. Cool. 
You know, that reminds me of a story from when I was in grad school. This is before I was a regular budgeter. But um, one of my solutions to not being a regular budgeter was to squirrel away money and hide it from myself in ways that I would maybe forget about it. And this is actually pretty common. I've learned as I've worked with people on their personal finances, <laughs> you know, people have like a dozen savings accounts and, uh, you know, hide money from themselves essentially. Right. So I was doing that. So I graduated college. I went off to grad school. When I got back two years later, uh, I had an account that I had completely forgotten about at a local credit union that had like $4,000 sitting in it hmm. from, from like my job when I was in college. Right. And so I, I don't know if I can recommend that. I, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you should know what, what, what is available to you. It, it's just kind of funny. Cause that, yeah, that was a way that I, and it, you know, it actually helped me get a nice little head start. Um, so I got into my first job, started paying off my student loans. So yeah, again, optionality. Right. Uh, we used to have a book, a big thick book, and it had a couple hundred dollars uh, just in like $20 bills stuffed in between the pages. Ooh. I don't know if it's still in there in that book. We still have the book. <laughs> Kids probably found it. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, kind of a similar reason to what you're describing of just there's there is cash available on hand in the house if we ever needed it. But we will probably just forget that it's there and we're not ever going to use it unless something terrible happens. So here's a, since we've been talking about this, I've just kind of been scrolling through my notes uh, from the psychology of money. And here's a thought from it that's directly related to this. It says, wealth is created by suppressing what you could buy today in order to have more stuff or options in the future. I guess that goes without saying, but. Mm. Yeah, sacrifice, that principle of sacrifice. Yeah. And uh, I think optionality has a lot to do with what people think of when they think about financial independence in general, right? Like, oh yeah, it's, it's yeah. easy to think like, oh, I want to be rich so I don't have to work. Okay, that's one definition of what it means to be financially independent. But uh, independence is more than not having to work, I would say. It's the ability to wake up in the morning and have some ability, you know, some degree of control over what you're going to do that day. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I guess that's maximized when you don't have a job because <laughs> you're retired or something, right? But you know, you, you the the more savings that you have, the more that's likely to occur. And I like the idea that financial independence doesn't necessarily mean that you'll stop working. It just means that you get to do the kind of work you want to do with the people that you like at the times that you want to, that kind of thing. Yeah. And I plagiarized that from the book in case anyone is, is wondering, <laughs> but there you go. Right. And, uh, and that could mean you're still working at a nine to five job, but then you one day decide, you know what, I'm going to start a business doing something oh. completely different and you've got the runway yeah. to be able to do it. And, and just like, I love the idea, you know, of being a full-time employee with the ability to quit at any time. Mm-hmm. Not because I want to quit, but because I could. <laughs> like right. yeah. if 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 it got too intense, if the you know the company changed or I got like a really terrible po- boss or something, you know, it, it's that's kind of like an example of extreme independence while having a full-time job, right? The ability to not need the job for a while. 
Agreed. That's a really powerful form of optionality, I think. Wow. And the, the sense of control that you can have over your own life is psychologically really valuable. Mm-hmm. Like I was reading an article recently about uh, return to office mandates that a lot Ugh. of companies are are going through at this at the time we're recording this in 2023. You know, who knows yeah. what the, what this will we'll look see. like in the future? But exactly. Uh, but they the the study was something like the companies that were forcing it forcing employees to return to the office were seeing higher attrition or lower employee satisfaction or something than the ones that still had flexible arrangements or where the the employees still had some say in where and when they were going to work. Yeah. Uh, I remember in a previous episode, you had brought up the hedonic treadmill, which is this idea that we adjust, you know, when we buy something new or shiny, we're happy for a while, but our happiness returns to baseline pretty quickly after that. And then we just have to keep buying more things in, in this context or experiencing new things to kind of experience that high or that, that happiness. Mm-hmm. But if I remember correctly in reading one of the articles I've read in the past about the hedonic treadmill, there are a few things that can permanently increase your baseline. And one of them was moving closer to work and having a shorter commute. So for people who mm-hmm. are getting used now to not having a commute at all, like it's like a powerful like it doesn't surprise me that people are pushing back really hard and going back to the office because it's actually some kind mm-hmm. of like deep psychological thing that they're fighting against you know they've the the in theory these people's baseline of happiness has been raised and now they're trying to, to, to like you know unintentionally probably but you know push it back down and like that's not people don't like that yeah and th- and that could be even if you didn't move out into the country because yeah. you think, no, my job's remote or, you, you know, even if you're just still in the same house, like I am where I could commute back to the office that I used to go to every day before the yeah. pandemic. And it wasn't a big deal to me because that was just how yeah. we did work. And now, yep. but now my commute is just down the hall to the office. Don't have Tasted to leave the house. A better way. <laughs> yeah. Well, option so a, I, I give it a 10 out of 10. Would yeah, recommend. Definitely. Definitely. And, you know, it's funny, we talk about all these different angles on personal finance and different terms. Optionality is one of those. At the end of the day, I just remind everybody, just spend less than you make and you will have all these things. (laughs) You will have optionality, you'll have security, you'll have independence. It's really not complicated. The tough part is figuring out how to behave in a way to, to, to execute on that. Mm-hmm. And then getting yourself to actually do it. Yeah. Cause it all makes sense up here in yep. my head. If I could just get, get the guy it's, in the mirror to do the things. It it's be, rational, but is it reasonable? Great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To an earlier episode there, but yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for a uh, great conversation about optionality. Hopefully yeah. it stirred some thoughts and everybody gave you something to think about. You can always write to us at, Hello at notaboutmoney.com. And as always, we'll see you next time on It's Not About the Money.